Hello and welcome back to another Train Effective podcast. This week we are joined by a very special guest because today we have on Isaiah Reed. Isaiah, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, for those uh, guys who may not know, Isaiah has recently signed up with MLS side Houston Dynamo. Um, so today we're really going to try and get into the nitty gritty of his journey, of his path to get into where he is today. And hopefully that will serve, uh, you know, some some really nice insights for you guys and a bit of motivation to hear um, how we got to areas today. So, Isaiah, if it's okay, I want to start right from the very beginning. So, tell me about where you were born, where you were raised, and some of your earliest uh, soccer memories. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina, originally, and I started playing uh, football when I was two years old. Um, pretty young, but. Uh, my older brother, um, Josh, he's the reason why I started playing. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I always looked up to him. He was a huge role model for me. And so when I was two, he was seven. And so that's when he was playing a little bit more competitively. And so I wanted to be just like him. And so I started so young. Um, and then when I was six years old, that's when I started uh, playing for uh, a club um, competitively at Discovery Soccer Club. And that's kind of where everything took off. Um, like I said before, I, I wanted to be like my brother. Um, other sports just didn't really interest me. And when I would see him play games, I want to be just like him. And so that's kind of how I started. Um, I was at Discovery Soccer Club from age six to age 14. Um, and in that time, uh, when I was 11 years old, um, I got invited to go and train with Manchester City's Youth Academy in 2012. Um, it was an amazing experience. Um, so I trained with them. And then I came back to the States um, to play for discoveries um, until I was 14. And then when I was 14, I moved to Charlotte Soccer Academy to play in their developmental academy program. And the developmental academy program, it's kind of similar um, to what it's like in England in terms of like the Premier League. We have all the top academies um, in America all playing against each other. It's really good for getting scouted by national team scouts, D1 scouts, um, you name it. And after that, I ended up going to a Clemson ID camp and I played really well. Um, I ended up going on a visit and I committed to Clemson um, my sophomore year of high school. Um, after that, I, I kept playing uh, at Charlotte Soccer Academy. I got one uh, U16 uh, US national team call up. Um, nothing really came out of it, but I was definitely grateful for the opportunity. Um, and then I ended up going to Clemson for four years. Played, played well there, especially my, my junior year. And then I graduated and just got drafted to Houston Dynamo. So now I'm, now I'm here in Houston. Well, shout out to your brother Josh for motivating and kickstarting uh, this career that, not, that, you're, that you're on now. So going back to the, the, the beginning part then, what was it firstly maybe from your brother or even from you in a country where perhaps soccer isn't the most popular because you've got basketball, you've got American football, you've got baseball, lots and lots of other sports. What was it for your brother? What was it for you uh, which interested you about soccer? And why was that the sport that you were keen to, to pursue? Yeah, so it's actually pretty funny. My, my parents got my brother into the game because he just wasn't good at basketball, football, baseball, none of that. And so they're like, let, let, let's try out soccer. And he ended up being good at it. And so for me, like I said before, I wanted to be like him. But it was also very tough. Um, like you said before, soccer, especially the time that I was growing up, was not popular at all in America or popular in my area as well uh, in South Carolina. 
And I remember I, I said I joined my club when I was six years old, but they actually didn't have an age group for my team. So I had to play on the U9 team when I first started when I was six years old because the club only had like 12 teams at the time. And so like soccer in general and just just the area wasn't as big as it is now. It, it's it's grown so much, but it definitely was tough. And I tried out, you know, basketball, baseball and other things like that. But just the feeling of just the feeling of, you know, soccer, you know, football just really, really interested me. And I, I remember my brother, um, he was a huge Manchester United fan. So we would we would get up in the morning. We would watch, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo play and things like that. So I just found so much joy in the game. Nice, nice. And so you kind of touched on it there. But so, for example, in your area, was it ever a case where you could go to the closest park and or even at school and with your peers and you could just have the opportunity to play soccer for fun because everyone else was playing? Was was that opportunity ever there or was it just more of a case of everyone's playing basketball? So you had to the only place you could play soccer was at the organized events like your clubs, etc. Yeah, it was extremely tough because there weren't that many, you know, soccer pitches in general in my area. So the only for for a while, the only time that I was able to play was at organized practice. And it was extremely tough. All the fields were locked up. Um, If you wanted to go on a field, they'd be like, no, this is for, you know, football for, you know, for the American football players or for baseball. And it's like you couldn't even get on a field and enjoy it. So for my childhood, most of the time that I played for fun to get my touches in, we played backyard. We played in the backyard with, with our neighbors, and we invite our friends over and play in our backyard because that's all we could do. And then when I got to elementary school uh, in third grade, we had a big field at recess, and so I brought my own cones, my own soccer ball, and I started getting kids in my elementary school into the game. And I even hosted a soccer tournament in uh, at my elementary school just to try and share the game with others. And ended up having like trophies and all this stuff. It, it got into the newspaper, but yeah, I just I tried to share the game with others. But in terms of for myself, it was extremely hard because most of the fields were reserved and we couldn't really get on anything. Right, that's I mean that's amazing to hear the fact that you say okay, soccer's not here, so I'm gonna bring soccer to the people. I'm gonna make it happen. I love that. Um, so then you mentioned about making it into the the Charlotte Soccer Academy. How old were you when you got into that? And what was the process for you to get into that? Was there trials? Was there, did you get scouted? How did that work? Yeah, so I, I was 14 when I got into the Charlotte Soccer Academy and it was a trial. Um, it was pretty pretty intense because all the best players um, in the whole Charlotte area, Charlotte's a pretty pretty big city. So every every top player in that area was coming, coming to trial for their academy team because at the time that's when Academy was really starting to hit his peak. And that was like the new thing for American soccer, um, the, you know, the developmental academy. So everyone was going to the tryout. It was very, very, very intense uh, environment. And I tried for the team and I made it. So it's definitely a great moment. Nice. And so throughout that period of time, um, how pivotal would you say, especially like you said, the, 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 the trials was quite tough. Like you said, at the time it was getting uh, really popular. How important was the sort of support of your brother or and your parents throughout those early foundation years and sort of early teenage years of you going into soccer? I think it was huge um, just you know in terms of building my mental toughness I think that's something that my dad really worked on uh, a ton with me especially at my, at my boyhood club 
you know, dealing with different adversity and things like that. So when I did get in tough scenarios and, you know, circumstances like, you know, going on trial and having to deal with certain things, I, I was ready for it. And then in terms of, you know, my mom as well, the, the amount of support that she gave me is incredible. And then for my brother as well, um, every summer um, he would train me um, in the backyard, like I said before, um, just train, train my technique as much as possible to, to help me grow as a player. So I definitely want to thank him as well. And I also had um, a, another coach in the summer, uh, Zeko Zvitkovic. He was a Croatian guy who I played a lot of 3v3 with. That's very popular in American soccer in the early stages, playing 3v3 and, and futsal um, and things like that. And so I had him train me as well that prepared me. Well, shout out to the family and shout out to the coach. It sounds like you had a really nice and supportive system around you, which I'm sure was really helpful for you. Um, and then so, yeah, talk me through the actual experience at Charlotte. Um, how important was that for your development? How many years were you there? Um, and yeah, just talk, talk me through that journey. I think being at Charlotte was, was so important because it helped me to really develop my game more so from the tactical side. And, you know, like, like a lot of people say, like your years, you know, between six and honestly 13, it's, it's about the development and, and things like that. And, you know, once, once you hit 14, it's about learning how to win, um, developing tactics and, and other things like that. And I really think that, you know, Charlotte really helped to accelerate my growth as a player and, you know, find different nuances in my game for me to develop. Um, a, a big case in point um, is them helping me in my versatility. I came into Charlotte Soccer Academy as a left winger um, in camp. And they said that if I wanted to get into a U.S. national team camp, I need to switch to a left back. So I remember um, I ended up switching to left back um, my second season at Charlotte. And I ended up playing left back um, pretty much my, my, my whole time there, switching with left winger. So just showing me different sides of the game, uh, different positions, while helping me improve my technique as well. They definitely helped me to uh, accelerate my growth. And would you say that sort of at Charlotte was the first, not the first time, but where the amount of soccer practice and soccer drills in specific, specifically, was there an increased amount from, from where you were at your local club in comparison to when you went into the academy? Was that a big difference in terms of practice and drills? Yeah, I think, I think it was a big jump more so to the fact, like you said, like with the drills and the training, just the level of intensity. You know, when, when you join an academy, it's like, Every single player is there to win, to play, and the level of intensity, the, the quality of play, the, the types of drills um, that we're doing is more advanced. Um, like I said before, there's a bigger focus on, um, you know, the tactics and, and, and the tactical side of the game. So everything was just kind of at a higher level, and that forced me to, to, to play at a higher level as well. Right. And why do you think it was that, you know, the coaches have said to you, right, um, Oh, wait, I don't know if I've lost you there. No, you're back. Um, they, you came in, like you said, as a left winger. Um, so why do you think it was that the coaches said, you know, if you really want to advance, if you, if you really want to get far, you have to go into the left-back position? Why do you think that was? I think that has to do mainly with the certain qualities of my game that they saw. And to be honest, at the time, uh, I'm going to be completely honest, I probably wasn't good enough, you know, as a winger. Um, compared to a lot of the other American talent. You know, I just wasn't, you know, in terms of the best wingers in the United States, I wasn't up there. And so they're like, but you're a great player. 
You know, you, you can you can get hold possession of the ball. You have a great first touch. You have a really good left foot. Let's try you at left back. You know, we'll, we'll teach you how to one v one defend. We'll teach you positioning and stuff. You're a great player, but you're just not the top level of winger in America. So if we move you back to a position that's higher in demand, a left-footed left back, then you're going to have a way better chance of getting into that camp. And so for me, like I said before, my dad teaching me uh, things like humility and, you know, and, and, you know, dealing with adversity and just having the humility to realize that I might not be where I need to be yet, but I know I can get there. And if I stay coachable and, you know, listen to the feedback they give me, I can develop easier that way. So that's kind of how I took it. And so what, so do you think that that was like your response straight away? Or was there at first, obviously you're, you're a little bit younger than as well. Maybe the, the understanding isn't the same. Was it tough to hear that at first? The coach is saying, you know, we, I know you want to play left wing, but actually we don't necessarily think you're good enough yet. How, how did you take that? I'm going to be honest. I, I, I remember when the first time they said that it was like one of the first or second national team camps um, of that year. And I remember the national team scout was at the, the very first game of the season and I was playing decently. And I remember we got a PK and I was, I was the youngest player on the team. It was the 2001 and 2000 age group. And we get a PK to, to tie the game. And the coach is like, Isaiah, take the PK. And I'm like, okay. And I end up hitting the crossbar with a PK in front of the U S national team scout. Absolutely. Just, just ruined the moment. It was super tough. And after that, that's when, you know, they, they made that comment. Um, they're like, yeah, he's a good player, all this, watch a few more games. But as, as a winger at this level for U, U14, you know, maybe going to have to move to a left back. And so it was devastating. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it was definitely hard to hear. Um, but like I said, with a really good support system, I was able to look at it to the fact that, like, I'm trying to be on the field. So if the national team wants me on the field as a left back, then I'm going to do that straight up. You know, it's it's not about, you know, where I want to play. It's where I can play. And so that's the mindset that I had. So after that, it's just been kind of straightforward from there. Nice, nice. I like that attitude of, you know, I'm going to be on this pitch by any means possible. Uh, it's great. And we also, like, we uh, we made a video about this the other day on Train Effective, how, you know, you had someone like Camavinga, who right now is at Real Madrid. He was a striker. He's now a central midfielder. He's also played at left back for Real Madrid. Van Dijk, growing up, was playing as a striker, and now he's a defender. And so, like, like you say, you know, you have to be adaptable and you have to be uh, have enough humility to understand that okay, I need to sort of do at times what my team uh, might need me to do. So yeah, that's good to hear. Um, so after Charlotte Academy, then you end up at uh, Clemson University, where you play for the Clemson Tigers um, in D one. How did that come about? And you know, what was your thought process through making that decision uh, to attend Clemson University? Yeah, so um, I kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I went to their ID camp in the summer. And the way that their ID camp works is it's like a summer camp, but it's also kind of like a trial at the same time. Um, so you, I was there for five days, four nights, and you just do a bunch of training sessions uh, in the morning. And then at night are the 11 v 11 matches. And so in those matches, the top players who play well will get selected for the all-star game, which is the best players out of the entire camp. And that all-star team will play against the Clemson, the active Clemson soccer team. So it's like the best campers versus the Clemson team. 
And in that, that all-star game, that's where all the Clemson coaches and, and the scouts will watch you play versus their active players. So it's a great opportunity because, you know, they're literally watching you in person play against their team. And so that's what happened to me. I ended up getting selected for the all-star game, played very well. Um, the coaches, you know, came up to me and said that they really liked the way that I played. And so they ended up uh, getting me on, on on a visit. And I'm from South Carolina, Clemson's in South Carolina. I've wanted to go to Clemson for a while now. And, you know, they happen to be a very top program in America. So it all kind of made sense. It all kind of fit together. So when they offered me, um, I was still very young. I was a sophomore, but I was like, I don't want to go anywhere else. It, it's in South Carolina. It's close to home. It's a top program. I love the coaches, the campus, everything. So I, I committed pretty early. So Nice. So it all kind of worked out in terms of where you wanted to go, the location and the program was good, like you say. So you then uh, you, you go into your first year there and um, perhaps it wasn't and it didn't maybe go exactly as you had planned in your head. Maybe it was a bit more difficult than than, than you had expected. Um, so, yeah, like talk me through that and how difficult was it for you to really make that breakthrough and get into the first team? Yeah, it, it was extremely difficult. That season was probably one of the most difficult seasons in my whole footballing career, um, mainly because it was just a way bigger jump than anything that I experienced. You know, I, I said before how I made that jump from, you know, discoveries to Charlotte Soccer Academy. But this jump from Academy to D1, it, it was huge, especially at Clemson, because Clemson is, you know, a top program. And I remember I came in and, you know, the mindset of every freshman, you know, is like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to take his spot, I want to play, I'm going to be, you know, freshman of the year, all this and that. And there's a lot of other things that go into it, especially when going to university, you know, you, you've got school, you know, you're, you're leaving your family, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, soccer and stuff like that, sometimes things don't go your way. So it's about balancing everything at the same time. And sometimes everything just doesn't go to plan. So I remember my preseason, I was playing very well in preseason. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to take the starting left back spot. You know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to do this and that. And I remember my first game that I got in, I, I was so nervous. I, I was so nervous. This is the most fans I've played in in my whole life. I think it was like 5,000 fans at the game. I was just like, wow, I, I was nervous. I missed one pass. And then, you know, everyone's like, come on, come on. And I'm like, okay, like I got to get right. Then I miss another pass. And I'm like, oh man, I just keep going in, in a hole and it was bad. And I ended up getting yanked out of the game. And that whole season, it was more just up here. From, from, from a mental and a confidence perspective, I was so low on confidence. I, I was so scared to make a mistake. Mentally, I just wasn't extremely strong. Um, I was trying to balance my schooling. Um, also my football, but then at the same time, also have some some type of a social life as well. Um, and it was just extremely tough um, because I knew that I had the quality. You know, I, I knew that I was a quality player, but I wasn't playing the way that I wanted to. So it was extremely frustrating. And um, going back home, um, it was COVID actually that ended the freshman season early. Um, that kind of hit a reset on, on everything um, for me to return my sophomore year. So touching back on some of the things you mentioned there, did you have any sort of methods where, like you say, mentally it was really tough, right? So 
what did you for yourself was there any ways of which you tried to tackle that problem of of the sort of um, the mental side of thing the confidence and sort of feeling anxious on the pitch how did you try to address that yeah see and that, that's the funny thing I think that's the main problem um, because I didn't um, really do enough to try and attack that you know I tried to I tried to do it all on my, my own and you know I, I, I felt like you know it's gonna get better if I, if I keep working if I keep working but you know when you get to the higher levels it, it's extremely important that you're actively working on your mental game just just waking up a new day and saying that you're gonna you're gonna do better that sometimes that's not enough you know especially at a high level and I just don't I just didn't think I did enough in general I was kind of doing just just a level you know I was showing up I was training I was training hard you know I, I, I was training to compete but I wasn't really training to dominate you know and you know in terms of the other things in my life the nutrition um you know in the gym the, you know working on my mobility and everything everything was just kind of here you know my mental side of the game I wasn't really doing extra to get to where I wanted to go and so after when when COVID hit and ended my freshman year early I ended up getting a mentor and to help me with, with that stuff. And that's when I realized, I was like, if I want to be able to be a star for Clemson, I want to be playing on Friday nights in front of 6,000 fans. I got to do a lot more than I'm doing right now. And that's kind of when it all, when it all changed. Nice. And so um, even, even in that first year, so you, you, you briefly mentioned it there, but the sort of, the social life, balancing the social life as well as trying to, you know, play play soccer, uh, you know, correctly and train correctly. How did you deal with that in terms of both balancing that? So, you know, did you have friends who were going out and, and you couldn't go out and you had to sacrifice that? But then also, what was it like balancing the life of trying to pursue soccer, but also you're in a new environment, new people, uh, you're living by yourself now, away from your family. How did you find that balance and, and what did you do, do to track up with that? Yeah, um, I definitely did have friends, you know, on the outside who were, were going out and doing things, and I had to sacrifice that, you know, to, to focus on, on my football and my school. Um, and I remember I didn't really start hanging out with, you know, some of my outside friends until, like, November when the season was over. I didn't really have many extra friends. I mean, there were people that I knew there because I was from South Carolina, but, you know, and it was just all, all soccer in school pretty much. And it, it was definitely tough, um, especially because I came from high school being like a, like a straight A student. And I remember I get into college and I take my first psychology, first psychology test and I get a 70. And I'm like, whoa, like what's going on here? Like I'm a straight A student, what's going on? So even school, you know, was kind of taking a toll because, you know, I'm trying, trying to focus on a bunch of other things. Um, I ended out with good grades, um, but, but still it's, it's definitely a huge adjustment just trying to balance everything and, and being away from home. Being away from home wasn't too tough for me, um, like I said before, because I'm not too far away and my parents could come to all the games. And um, we lived in an apartment with uh, three other guys on the team. So it was nice being around the guys a lot. Um, so that wasn't too tough. But balancing all three at the same time as a freshman is definitely uh, pretty tough if you're not locked in. Bro, listen, I also studied psychology and I can vouch it's sometimes not easy, man. So, so don't be too hard on yourself with the 70 that you got. Um, so you then said, obviously, uh, between the, your first year and your second year, you started working with a mentor and that really helped you get on the right path. Um, was it around then that, say, did you start doing a lot more individual training away from the team training 
to really work on yourself that bit more to break through? Yeah, I, I did a ton of individual training and I think COVID helped out a lot um, because like I said before, that, that made me realize that I, I just wasn't doing enough. And talking to my mentor, he helped me a lot with, you know, the mental and you know psychological side of the game. And then I remember every single day during quarantine, I was training every single day uh, with a few of my other mates in Charlotte. I was running every single day. I was doing, you know, um, workouts, you know, to, to build my strength. And I was just working on myself and, you know, doing everything I could to develop and really break into that first team because I knew that that was extremely important. And then so when you do sort of, you know, you're, you're breaking into the team now, into your second year, um, yeah, like talk me through that year for you. What, How was that in comparison to your first year breaking into the team? Yeah, so my my second season um, come off of, you know, quarantine and, and COVID and things like that. You know, I've been working so hard. I had my mentor, but at the same time, I still didn't fully break into the team yet. Um, so, you know, like I said, you know, to all other footballers, you might be putting in, you know, all this work. It, sometimes it doesn't happen right away. You know, I still had to be patient, even though I had a different mindset and I was a better player. So I come back my sophomore year and I still wasn't starting, but I was getting a lot of minutes. So I would come in. I was one of the first substitutes um, off the bench coming into the game. So definitely a lot better than freshman year than not playing at all. One of the first subs off the bench coming in, you know, putting in a really good shift. And I could see my play really starting to develop. The coach started to trust me a lot more and put me in those bigger, you know, ACC championship games, tournament championship games. And that sophomore season, I, I saw a ton of growth because I knew that I hadn't fully, you know, received the fruits of my labor yet, but I could slowly start to see it coming because of my persistence in my work. And so after um, that first season of my sophomore year, that's when um, the blessings really started coming in um, because as I mentioned before, I, I came into Clemson as a left back. I don't know if I mentioned that before. That's what they recruited me as. But I would also feature in the games as a winger because coach still saw those qualities in me, you know, like my pace, my, my 1v1s and, you know, ability to finish. After my first season, sophomore year, both of our wingers leave to go pro. So um, Kamarni Smith, he's actually from England. He played uh, at Nottingham Forest um, and he, he went pro to DC United. And then Grayson Barber, um, he signed early homegrown to Sporting Kansas City. So a lot of people didn't know he was going to sign homegrown. So we lost both of, both of our starting wingers. And so coming back January, we had another season because of COVID. And he was like, you know, we're going we're gonna to try you at left wing. And so because I've been preparing and, you know, doing all this individual training and working on my mental, I was ready mentally to receive, you know, that, that, that opportunity. And my first, my first game of the spring season, um, I, I got a goal and an assist in my first start at left winger. And from then on, it was just, you know, continual improvement. Nice. And I think there's two very valuable lessons there for any sort of young or aspiring footballers that we have listening. I think firstly, um, in that, you know, you were consistent for a very, very long time before you really started to to feel the difference and for the for the good to come out of it. It wasn't just a matter of a month or two. It was several months. It was years. And I think that's one one great takeaway from that. Another is if you are on the bench and if you're not starting, you know, don't drop your shoulders. Don't feel 
you know, don't feel for yourself, just sort of get on with it. And when you do get that opportunity to come on, like you say, you're one of the first off the bench, then really take it and really go for it. So then, you know, you say the the the, the two sort of main left wingers leave. What was it like when the coach said to you, we're going to try you out a left wing? Was there a, like a real sense of excitement to sort of go back to a position where perhaps as, as when you were younger, that's the position you really wanted to play? Were you really excited or was there nerves as well? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a little bit of nerves, but it, it was mainly excitement. Because um, <clears throat> like I said before, left back is a position or anywhere in the defense. Those are positions where you usually don't sub in games, um, to be honest. Um, but uh, up top, that's where, you know, in the midfield, those are where most of the subs happen. And so, like I said before, you know, the coach saw my quality, so he wanted to get me on the field. So that sophomore season, when I wasn't getting, you know, game time at left back, he would put me up at, at left wing. So it wasn't completely foreign to play left wing at, at the college level. But, you know, finally getting that start and, you know, you know him saying that, you know, you're going to be the left winger, you know, in, in the first team. You know, I, I was definitely extremely excited. And I definitely got those feelings that I felt when I was a young kid, you know, scoring goals, taking people on and stuff like that. So I definitely got that feeling back. Nice. So then... Would you say that it was your junior year where you really started to kick on and doing really well, starting for the team and being like a, a star player for your side? Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, junior year was when, when it all kind of happened. I guess it was kind of my breakout year. Um, coming from my sophomore year, the second season, like I said before, um, that's kind of when I came into the position. But like I said, it, it didn't really pop off for me. And so that summer, right before my junior year, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the team. You know, I'm, I'm, I've acclimated myself. I know the level. Now it's time to dominate. You know, I, my sophomore year is more about competing and, you know, trying to win. But this junior year is it's about domination. You know, I'm there, there's no more excuses anymore. And uh, that's when everything kind of turned up. Uh, I was the top goal scorer of the team. Um, scored two goals in the national championship game. And, it, you know, just kind of like a fairy tale that junior year. I love that. I love that. And so would you say that around that time when you were in the junior team, like you say, you were kicking on, you were scoring goals. Was it then that for you, it kicked in, right? I can go pro here. Like I can really make something big out of this. Is that when it kicked in for you or was it before or after? When did that, that realization come to you? So the realization, it, it became more apparent my junior year when I started, you know, scoring goals and, you know, MLS coaches were actually actively, you know, looking at me and, you know, saying stuff to my coaches. But I think during COVID, when I was grinding and I was training, that's when I made the decision that I wanted to go pro. My freshman year, like I said before, it was so tough. I, you know, the left back who was in front of me, he's now pro as well too, but he was only a year older than me, Charlie Asensio. And so I'm like, I'm not going to play left back until my senior year. I was like, you know what? I might as well just get my degree. I don't think pro is going to be for me. You know, nothing's working out for me. I had so many doubts in my head. And then once COVID hit, I was like, uh, what, what, what am I thinking? I, I've been playing this game since I was two years old. My, my, my parents have put so much time and energy into me. My brothers helped me out so much just for me to throw in the towel, just when things get tough. And so during that COVID season, I was training and working as if I was going to go pro. I was going to make it happen. Simple as that. And then so my junior year, when I started seeing the benefits, I was like, OK, that's it. I'm going pro. I'm, I'm not doing anything else. So, Bro, that's, that's super motivating to hear, man. I love that. So 
you, you you say you feel like that into in, in your junior year. Then going into your senior year, I presume you must be uh, must have felt super confident, feeling really good about your football. I believe you were elected to be captain around that time as well. I think am yeah. I right? Yeah. yeah. So you're also captain, but then you get hit with a very unlucky injury, which you needed to have surgery for. Talk me talk me through that. What was that like? And 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 yeah, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I. That was extremely tough. And I think my senior year, in some ways, was even tougher than my freshman year as a season because I was elected captain of the team. And that was such an honor because I, I, I'd given so much to that program. You know, we just won a national championship with them. And, you know, being elected captain of the team, it was a huge honor. And, and I, definitely took, I definitely took that on. But then having to get that surgery in April, it was so tough because – that senior year, that's the year right before you get drafted and before MLS scouts are, you know, constantly looking at you. And so I remember coming back and I wasn't, I was not 100% healthy for the season. I just wasn't. I could, I was healthy enough to play, but I, like I said before, I wasn't healthy enough to, to play to my ability and, and dominate. And that season was so tough because I had the sport turning surgery. I wasn't able to move and make plays the, the way that I wanted to. And then when I actually started feeling better during like kind of the early middle part of the season in a game versus a uh, Presbyterian, I think I jump up for a header and our big striker, he's like six foot five, but he, he's huge. He lands on top of my knee and I ended up bruising the side of my MCL. So then I had another injury that season as well. And so it's like, you know, I come back, I'm finally starting to play good. Then I get another injury. I couldn't even play in like, the middle part of the games and it's so tough as a captain that you know you like to be verbal and stuff but I like to lead by example on the field while doing the field so I can't even I can't even play in games I'm getting put into games for 10 minutes and, and seven minutes and it, it, it's it's just like I almost felt helpless at, at one point and I was like I don't think I'm going to be able to go pro I remember I, I, I thought about it, I was like the agents that had contacted me in the summer before my senior season, there was like three agents that contacted me. They weren't really talking to me as much during the season. I only had like two or three goals as a forward, which isn't a good standard for, you know, going to the pro professional level. I had all these injuries. I wasn't playing. And I was like, I think I'm going to have to stay for a fifth year in college. I don't think I'm going to be able to go pro. And I was so upset. I was so mad. It seemed like nothing was going my way again. I had done all that work up for my freshman year, junior year, had the season of my life just for the season right before the draft to not be able, you know, to, to play the way I wanted to. And it was so tough. And then, but then again, I had to stay persistent. And so I ended up getting healthy at the end of the season. I started playing, playing very well again. Um, and then I was ended up uh, getting blessed with the opportunity to go to the MLS College Combine. And so for the people who don't know what that is, basically they take the top college players in the nation and they put them all in this one combine um, where you train and you play in front of all the MLS scouts. So there's a scout from every single MLS team and they watch you play in 11 v games. And I, I played there as a left back. Um, so I moved back to, to the position um, before and I played very well there. And then um, from then on, I, I ended up getting drafted. So it ended up working out in the end, but that senior season was definitely extremely tough. Bro, I can I can for sure see why your last year, like you said, was more difficult than your first, because at least the first, it was like 
okay, I'm not getting in, but I have three more years to improve, to keep working. And once I get in, hopefully by the last year, I can get there. But the fact that you were there, you were confident, you were yeah. one of, if not the best player on your team, and it sort of just gets taken away from you because injuries are really tough. Even like at the top top of the game, for, for the best players, injuries mentally takes on you. So I actually want to ask about that as well. So all players generally have their own ways of coping with injuries and coping through the period where they can't play. How did you deal with it? Did you do you have any sort of tips and tricks that you went by to help you get through that time? Yeah. Um, so I think my senior year is when I really I, I grew up um an extremely religious person. Um but I think my senior year is when I really started to re reconnect my faith with, with Jesus Christ um, because, you know, that was an extremely tough time. And I feel like uh, I needed him, but I wanted to have a relationship with him just more than when things are going bad, even when things are going well. So I remember I, you know, I really started to tap in more to my faith. I started to confide in my parents a lot more um, and talk to my mentor. Having, dude, having a mentor was so key for me in those tough moments. It's just really nice being able to have someone who played at a high level. Uh, my, my mentor, he, he played college ball as well. Um, and talking to other profession, other mentors who play professionally, hearing from them and, and getting insight from them, it just makes you feel so much better from a, from a mental standpoint, hearing from someone, you know, encourage you and, and push you on. And then at the, at the same time, it's about having things outside of, outside of the game. You know, having the game just alone, it can't be your only source of, of happiness because when that gets taken away, what is there? And so I found a lot of my happiness and a lot of my motivation and, you know, my, my, my faith in Jesus Christ, you know, talking to my parents and my mentor, um, you know, hanging out with my friends and, you know, just enjoying the game. And so that brought a lot of motivation back. I remember I would watch like old messy highlights you know for, from from 2010 and you know watching Christian Ronaldo at Manchester United watching those things that made me fall in love with the game you know when I was you know so young keeping that motivation and, and keeping myself remembering why I'm doing this that that really helped me to to stay in it yeah that's amazing man that's amazing to hear so yeah and you know what um we had another guest on here Sahil who he was telling us about how Thiago Alcantara a Liverpool player went to their camp and you know he's a big pro player played at Barcelona Bayern Munich and he said that one thing that was really important throughout his journey was having hobbies outside of football like you just said there when that gets taken away from you that can't be all your happiness that can't be all you look forward to doing gone you have to have outside things and, and it's good to hear like you say you had yours so you then, um, like you say, thankfully you kicked on uh, towards the end of the season. You were scoring goals again and you were feeling a bit better towards the end of the season. So you get invited to the MLS Combine. How was that for you? Like mentally, when did you first hear about it? And what were you feeling like going into the game, knowing there's all these scouts watching and one of these scouts could be the way, or your way of getting to, to pro football, soccer even? Yeah, so... It, it was honestly it was honestly amazing because like I said before I went from thinking that I was not going to be able to go pro and have to stay for a fifth year to, to getting that call up into the combine and so um, I remember I was talking to talking to one of my mentors and he was like yo like I think you're gonna get into the combine stay 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 ready um you know I, I know you might not have the season that you think you wanted to but look at the end of the day they've seen what you've done your junior year they know you're a quality player. 
Um, and, you know, they really want to get you into this combine as a left back. So it was kind of funny because it was a little bit of the same thing that I had before with the national team, because in the national championship, I played the nine. And so a lot of scouts, they saw me play the nine in the championship. I'm not a number nine. I only played that because both of our number nines tore their ACLs right before the championship game. So I had to play that position. And so, you know, my mentor is like, you're, you're probably going to be going in as a left back. And, but they all thought, all the scouts thought you were a striker. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not a striker at all. So it, when I got that call up, it was, it was more like mentally, I was like, okay, here we go. Like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to show them what I'm about. You know, this season might've not been, you know, what I wanted it to be, but now it's about, you know, taking this opportunity and going in there and honestly just showing levels and, and showing what I'm about. So. Well, again, it uh, goes back to the same thing about adaptability. You know, like you say, you filled in a striker because uh, the players weren't there like that. So talk me through again. So you go to the combine uh, and, and you play there and the, the scouts are there and, and they're impressed. What is the process like? For, for those who may not know as well, what is the process like from when you play the game to when you get drafted? Talk me through that. When do you learn about where you could be potentially drafted to? Yeah, uh, talk me through that. Yeah, so it's a little more complicated. Um, so from the combine, I think there's about 40, 44 players there. And so after you play your games at night, there's interviews. So you they'll schedule interviews with different MLS, MLS teams. And so I remember after my first game, I played well. I ended up having um, like four or five interviews with different MLS clubs um, at the hotel. So you, they have like a conference room where you go into the MLS team and you talk to like two or three of their coaches and you pretty much have an interview. They ask you about, you know, who you are as a person, what you're going to bring to their team, all, all, all this and that. And you basically interview with them. And then I remember then you play another game. I played the second game then I had like three or four more interviews. Um, so I had interviewed by the end of the time with about nine or ten MLS clubs. Um, so I was definitely excited about that just because I, I piqued the interest of so many clubs after my performances in the 11 11. So it's nice because after you play the games, you kind of have an idea of who might want to select you based on who you get an interview with and, and who you talk to um, from that. Um, but then also as well, this one gets complicated. There's generation Adidas contracts. So if you're not a senior, and you're like a junior, sophomore, freshman, you're, you're an underclassman, you have the ability to get a generation Adidas contract. And that is a contract from Adidas through the MLS. Um, it's a guaranteed two-year contract to the best young college players to get a guaranteed contract to that team. Since I was a senior, I couldn't get one, but then you have the GAs who also go into the draft as well. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're considered free players, so they'll be in the draft as well. So sometimes it gets tricky because you might not know where you're going to go because teams are going to take a GA player before anyone else usually because it's a free player to their club and it's a guaranteed Adidas contract. Um, but after the combine, pretty much you kind of just wait around. Um, first, they announced the generation Adidas players. They announced 11 this year. Um, one of my teammates from Clemson, he ended up, uh, two of my teammates got two uh, GA contracts at 11, so that, that was good for them. And then they released the draft eligible list. So after the GA list, they list, they announced the list of all the people who are eligible for the draft. So that's pretty much 
every senior and every fifth year player, they announce that list. And then it's pretty much kind of kind of waiting around. Some MLS clubs can contact you in between then. Um, I remember two MLS clubs contacted me um, after the combine as well, um, just to, you know, have an interview with me and check in. Um, but yeah, and then it's pretty much you're just waiting around and, and, and seeing what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah. So I'm, I'm quite interested by the interviews, actually. So you say after the game, they invite you for interviews. What, what do they ask you generally? Yeah, so they'll, they'll first ask you about kind of kind of like icebreaker questions. It starts off pretty chill. So it's kind of like, um, you know, when, when did you start playing? You know, um, how was your time at Clemson? All that type of stuff. And then it starts getting into to, to more stuff about the club. So then it's like, what are your best qualities? What do you think you can work on? What are you going to bring to this club? Um, you know, if, if I were to ask somebody else uh, on your team what they would say about you as a player, what would they say about you? And then it, they would be like, so, you know, I'm listed as a left back. And they're like, but you play left winger. So are you versatile? What position do you prefer more? This and that. And then they're like, what do you know about, for example, what do you know about Rail Salt Lake? Do you know anything about the club? Do you know our style of play? Um, things like that. And so they kind of start off, you know, easy working into it. And then they start to find out more so who you are as a person. Because you're at the combine because you're a good player. They, they know you're a good player, but they want to know who you are as a person before they really bring you into their organization and kind of what they're going to work with. So, yeah, it, it's more like that. It starts off, you know, kind of easy. And then they ask, like, some really, really tough questions uh, they got to give some thought to. So it's a proper, like, evaluation of you as a player, as a person. And, and you know what? That's another little uh, a lesson for, for our listeners to take away as well. I think I'm a little bit of, like, a football transfer nerd. I keep, all, you know, I, I listen to all the news about the about transfers and, Something that I pick up a lot is that a lot of managers, a lot of the top quality managers, you're talking your Pep Guardiola's, your Klopp's, your Ericsson Hogs, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of what they want to see in a player is about their characteristics, is about their personality, is about their mentality. So that is as important to a manager um, or a coach than it is your sort of technical ability, your physical capabilities. Yeah, like the mental side is just as important. Like you said, that's why they were asking you that, um, those kind of questions. So... You then, obviously, you're, event you're eventually going to hear back from Houston Dynamo. How do you find out? Was it a call? Uh, you know, did someone else, did the, did the agent tell you? What, what was that like? Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was weird because, so in the draft, they, they televise it pretty much, or they'll have a stream on YouTube. And so it, it's kind of like, like a pretty American thing, kind of like the NFL and NBA draft. So like with, with the first pick of the draft in the first round, uh, Charlotte FC selects, and then they'll select a player. They'll have like the video camera. So that's usually what most of the GA players get. They'll usually they'll usually be like the top ten players. They'll have like the video camera, the celebrations in the house, and stuff like that. And so for the first round, it's all televised. It's streamed on YouTube. And so I thought I was going to be first round. You know, I'm talking to my agent, and with, you know, before the draft, he's like, you know, we're, we're going to be first round. You know, and so I was like, oh, sweet, first round, you know, it's, it's a big deal, all this and that. And then ended up, you know, I ended up not getting drafted first round. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, what, what, what's going on here? He's like, relax, you're going to get drafted. He's like, it doesn't really matter about where you get drafted. It's just about 
in terms of like the number, like the, the round, but it's about like the club that you go to. And so I remember the second round is not televised. It's just on a live website page. So the names just start getting, get it, getting put down on the website. And I remember I was just kind of sitting there on the couch, like beside my, beside my mom, my girlfriend. And I was just sitting there. And then my brother was like, Isaiah Reed. And I was like, what? He's like, Isaiah Reed to Houston. And everyone just started screaming. It was crazy. It, it, it was an amazing feeling. Um, but yeah. Bro, that, yeah, that sounds like an amazing moment. And it's even better, the fact that you say your brother was there, your girlfriend was there, your mom was there. So you got you got to share this amazing memory um, with, 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 the, with your loved ones. So that's, yeah. So, bro, a huge congratulations. It's amazing to, to hear the journey and how you've got to where you are now. Um, so, yeah, talk me through the... So you're, you're in your first season now with, with Dynamo. How has that been going for you so far? Yeah, I, th- I think it's been going pretty well so far. Um, definitely a little bit of an adjustment. <clears throat> like um, going into my first rookie preseason, it, it, it's definitely an adjustment because it's like you go from the D1 level, um, which is a high level, especially at Clemson, but then you're going to professional environment. And, you know, my first day of preseason, I'm, I'm in training with Hector Herrera, you know, who is the captain of the Mexican national team. So it's like and, and other top pro players. So it's, it's a lot different than just playing in college. And I remember <clears throat> my first day, we first day was like a like a fitness test and you know that, that was fine and we did some passing patterns but the thing about at the pro level um especially when i'm in with the first team is more so it's like up here again it, it's all mental because it's about staying switched on for two hours or however long training is um because in, in college um not, not that you can switch off but the level Obviously, you know, playing with college players and playing with Hector Herrera is completely different. So in at the pro level, every coach is watching your every move, you know, your, your body language, your first touch, your pass. So it's about being completely locked in for two hours and being able to have the mental capacity to do that. And so that was something that that, that I did need to adjust to um, probably like my first couple of days, um, just really getting up to speed um, with the speed of play. Like I said before, like players are just fizzing the ball in. You got to have a clean first touch. I remember a few of my touches, they, they bobbled up on me a little bit. But, I mean, I, I was just like, you know, it's going to get better. So I'm um, acclimated to that. And, you know, now now I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm with the reserves. I'm with the second team right now where I'm getting active game time, which I think is extremely important. Um, for the people who don't know um, the league um, about that, so there's the MLS, which um, in terms of, like, the scheme – it's kind of like the Premier League. So it's the top league in America. And then the league that I'm in right now is the U23 league. Um, so like Premier League 2. Um, so it's pretty much like the second team of every first team and you play in the league. And it's a good way for, you know, young players to get game time experience who wouldn't be in the Premier League or who wouldn't be in the MLS. And so that's where I'm playing right now with, uh, with Houston, Houston 2, Houston second team. And I'm enjoying it right now. Um, in terms of the organization, the first team and the second team are both in-house. We're all together. Um, some weeks I'll get to train up with the first team. And so the opportunities to get that first team call up are, are, are very, are, are very um, you know, often. So it's, it's a really good organization for me to, to develop. So I'm enjoying it right now. Amazing. Amazing. And so, you know, you said you obviously it's very different from, from training at, at college compared to now you're at a, you know, a, a big professional club. Have would you say that sort of um or what would you say is is there has there been anything 
which you you've noticed from the people that you now play with and train with the professional players are there habits which they have which perhaps the players at college level didn't have other things which they do which the college players didn't and have you changed your habits or your routine since joining uh Houston yeah I think um something that I've noticed in with the first team is well just in general there's a huge time um before they get to the facility and when they train so that's something that you usually don't have in college usually in college um you would get to locker room time would be 30 minutes before training or if you get treatment it would be an hour to an hour and a half before training especially when you train in the morning um for here locker room time is 8 30 and training isn't until 10 or sometimes 10 30. so you have a long hour and a half to be able to you know get your prehab um get your treatment um you know some people like to meditate um or play tech ball or get some touches before training so they even have structured time in between the time when you get there and you train um for you to be ready for training um for me like i said before i'm always looking to innovate um whether i'm you know at the bottom where I'm looking to innovate from a position of strength. And so I've even upped my, um, my habits. Um, I like to think that, you know, even though I'm a professional player in terms of me as a person, I'm a pretty professional person. Um, so in the mornings, I like to take care of my body. Um, when I wake up, you know, I, I read the Bible, I meditate, I get in a proper breakfast and then I do, you know, a prehab, get a little bit of treatment, get some touches before training, um, this and that, just making sure that my mind is right for training. So I've definitely increased um, some of the stuff that I was even doing at Clemson for the professional level. Nice, nice. And so going <clears throat> forward now from this point where you are now, what would you say are some of your short term and your long term goals looking into the future? Short term goals? Um I would say they're they're more process based. Um, for me, when when I do my goal setting, um, short term and long term, um, I focus more on the process because I focus on things that are that are more so in my control. So I have goals um, for the season um, it, that can be measurable in terms of you know my chance creation, um, you know uh, where I can get the goals and assists from. I don't have a number for goals and assists because. Sometimes that's out of my control, but I have different numbers that if I get in, I thought if I have 50 penalty area entries for the year, then I know that can increase my chances of, you know, scoring goals because that, that is something that's in my control. So um, it's more short, short term goals that are along the process, you know, getting eight plus hours of sleep, um, daily film, journaling and meditation so that I can continue to improve as a player off the pitch. And then more of my on-the-field um, goals, like I said before, they're more process-based, um, things that can get me in the position to reach those goals that everyone has. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants a first-team contract. Everyone wants to be you know, playing in MLS or whatever first division league they're in. That's obviously everyone's goal. But at the end of the day, when, when I'm goal-setting from a mental perspective, I want to make sure it's, it's focused on the process because if I don't, get that first team contract does that mean that my season's a failure even though that I did everything else in the process right no that just that just might mean that God doesn't you know that's not in God's plans for me that year just the same thing at Clemson so when I make my goals it's just about the process and then in terms of my long-term goals it's honestly just maximizing my full potential 
that that that's pretty much the main goal for me to maximize my full potential because I know that if I maximize my full potential, the byproduct of that, I believe, is that I am going to be in the first team. I am going to be in the first division. And so that's something that's in my control, just, just being the best that I can be and being able to inspire people along the way through my journey while, while I do maximize my, my potential. No, that's, that's amazing, Tim. I think what you said there is spot on in terms of like your goals are tailored towards what is in your control because if your goals are set on things which you can't control, then you'll end up mentally beating yourself up because you can't reach those things, but they're not your fault and you're doing everything you can do and everything correctly to, to get to where you need to. And I, I think that's great. Um, I also actually wanted to ask about social media. So I've seen on TikTok that you have like 80K followers and, you know, you, you create content on there. Um, like what What is it about sort of creating content which you enjoy? Is that something which is like a hobby of yours outside of the game? And, and does it help you at all um, with your game at all? Yeah, so... I actually studied sports communications at Clemson um, and I interned as a social media content strategist while I was at Clemson. So definitely, you know, content making is, is a hobby of mine. Um, but it's also a passion of mine because I've always had a passion for wanting to help others. Um, I love being able to help out other people and me having a platform as I mentioned before on my TikTok, my main, my three main, purposes for my TikTok is to entertain, to inspire, and to connect. And I remember growing up, I saw a bunch of other YouTube pages like F2, F2 freestylers and, you know, watching the Sidemen and other people. And I haven't really seen as much of that in the football community on social media. So I want to be able to use my platform as a place where all footballers can come to either get a laugh and, you know, it make them smile, to be inspired by my journey, or just to connect with a professional footballer. It's not very often that people can have access to a professional footballer where they're actively giving them tips and stuff to be able to get better. And so coaching and, and, and mentoring is something that is a passion of mine as well. So that's why I love my platform, because I get to be able to do that um, in my free time. And in terms of it helping me as well, <clears throat> I think it helps me because when I make these videos about, you know, having a strong mentality and, you know, th things to do as a footballer, that motivates me as well because I'm, I'm making a video. So when I'm making motivational videos, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm going to do this as well. When I'm giving these young footballers information on, you know, you need to watch film and watch it with a critical eye. I'm taking that information as well. I'm doing everything that I'm telling all these people in my social media so it almost kind of um, keeps me in check, too, as well, because I'm developing and I'm growing as I'm helping other people develop and grow. So it, it was pretty cool. No, I think you're spot on. I, I even remember, like, when I, when I, when I was in high school, uh, my teacher used, used to say to me, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. So if you can learn a topic and then try to teach your friend that topic, you'll learn it a lot better than you just trying to learn it yourself. And that's basically what you're doing, because you're teaching and you're giving out these methods. And so you're taking it in more than you may even know. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, I, th I think that's an absolutely like brilliant perspective on social media um, from a footballer, especially because you say you like to connect and and that's great to hear as well. So I'll end it on one of the, the, the last big question I have for you today. So if you could give one piece of advice to a young star, whether that be in the US or anywhere else in the world, they're trying to go pro, what would it be from you? 
I think if I give one piece of advice, it would be to not be afraid to see how good you can be. That is the best advice I can give because in that you will find out that you're going to try and do everything that you can to reach your full potential. The scariest thing as a footballer or as an athlete in general is knowing that you do everything you can. You you know, you're eating properly, you're lifting, you're training every single day, you're watching film. You do everything you can in your power and you still might not be good enough. That is one of the biggest fears in so many athletes. But the thing is, if you want to be able to reach the professional level, you got to take risk and you can't be afraid of failure. You can't. You have to be afraid of the regret that you have when you don't put everything you can into it. So it's about running your own race, doing everything you can in your power to make sure that you can reach that level. I'm going to challenge every young footballer watching this right now. Whatever you're doing right now is not enough. And that's not as a critic, but that's me challenging to see how much more you can do. I thought when I was a freshman at Clemson, I was doing enough, but I wasn't. I thought that even when I became a pro, I was doing enough, but I had to increase even more. If you guys want to be able to reach the next level, you cannot be afraid to fail and you cannot be afraid to see how good you can be. So I challenge you guys to just put your all into this. Okay. You have one footballing career, so you got to make the most of it. Don't, don't sit around being afraid of failure. Go ahead and attack it head on. Don't worry about anyone else's journey. You know, like I said before, you might put in all this work and it might not come in a year. It might not come in two years, but on that third year, all those benefits from that consistent work you've been putting in, it's going to pay off. So the overarching, you know, thing is just to not be afraid to see how good you can be, go in full, and uh, just see see where it's going to take you. No, that's amazing. And listen, guys, that's the challenge set there, challenging you to to become the best version of yourself. And that's that's, that's I think that's a great note to end the podcast on. As I listen, you've been absolutely amazing. Um, I know that everything you've been saying today is super motivational and super inspiring um, for our listeners. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I enjoyed it. Of course, thank you. So listen, guys, if you haven't already, check out Azai's socials, which will be in the description below. If you haven't already as well, go check out our socials, which will be below. If you're on YouTube, uh, make sure to click the like and subscribe. And if you're on Spotify, follow for more content as well. Until next time, thank you for watching.